The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. The Ogden Music Festival kicks off on Friday, May 31st and is absolutely one of Utah's hidden gems. The fest brings a great weekend lineup to Fort Buenaventura, a 26-acre park that feels wild in the middle of Ogden City. You can camp for the weekend or just drop in for a day. Kids under 16 get in free, and tickets start at 25 bucks. See Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway, Las Cafeteras, and so much more at Ogden Music Festival. Tickets at OFOAM.org. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. A local billionaire has revealed a very swanky blueprint for a major league baseball stadium in the Fair Park neighborhood. And they want one billion of our dollars to build it. Plus, what's the stink on this U.S. magnesium story everyone shared on Instagram last weekend? Executive producer Emily Means is here to help spread the good word. It's Wednesday, February 21st. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Executive producer Emily Means, I have breaking-ish news for you, which is that last week when I shouted out our founding CityCast Salt Lake members, folks who toss us a couple dollars a month to sustain our work, that number was 114. As of today, it is 137. Oh. If we could add 23 members a week forever, (laughs) oh my god, we could take the Murdochs. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, we are on the come up. We are on the community come up. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's so awesome. Thank you so much to everyone who uh, became a member over the past week. And if you like it, and if you like us, tell your friends to become members too. Tell your mom. Tell your babysitter. Maybe not your babysitter. I don't know. But... (laughs) Tell everybody, and you can become a member by going to membership.citycast.fm. I mean, if you pay your babysitter a living wage, then yeah, tell them. I just want to say, like, uh, we get a ding every time someone becomes a member. Sometimes we recognize the name. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes people write little messages about why they joined. All I can say is reading through those messages and those names – you are in really good company if you become a CityCast Salt Lake member. Um, And hopefully it's an opportunity to literally be in good company because we've started kind of hosting some events with members. We're going to be doing a fun run uh, that starts at The Whale. Um, More to come on that. We did a walking tour of the Green Loop. Like there's a lot of opportunities hopefully in the future to gather with members. But really the most important thing that you're doing is making sure that this show is in your feed every weekday at 6 a.m. And you can become a CityCast Salt Lake member by going to membership.citycast.fm and clicking through Salt Lake. That's us. And just know that when you do, our computers will all light up with your name and we will all shriek with joy. Indeed. Thank you. Okay. 
Let's get into the news of the week. And first of all, executive producer Emily Means, I hope you had a fantastic long weekend. I was sitting on Instagram over this weekend, as one does, and could not believe how many people were sharing this Salt Lake Tribune story about U.S. magnesium. Mm. And... I have to wonder if like the whole city got paywalled because it was a subscriber only story and it had a very sexy headline that makes you want to click through. Uh, U.S. Magnesium avoided paying millions for alleged air quality infractions and gave big donations to Utah lawmakers. Woof. I know. This is kind of like the triple crown of Utah news. It's a save the Great Salt Lake by air quality by legislative corruption joint. (laughs) Before we break it down, we have to do something we haven't done in a while now on our news roundups, which is play our Save Our Great Salt Lake theme song. Hit it. I should think you're great. Great Salt Lake. Okay, so here's the deal. What you need to know about this company, U.S. Magnesium is that what they do is they divert water from the Great Salt Lake into these solar evaporation ponds in Tooele County, which is kind of our neighboring county. And from those ponds, they extract magnesium. And the thing about magnesium is that it is very lightweight and very strong. It's anti-corrosive, and it also has very good electrical conductivity. So we use it in... Everything. Communications equipment and technology. It's its everywhere. It's in car parts. But the other thing about magnesium that is one of the reasons that the federal government is so invested in us producing as much of it as possible as a nation, and a lot of that happens right here at the Great Salt Lake, is it's the number one metal used in defense. Mm. Bullets, projectiles, explosive casings, armor, military car parts, aircraft, like defense – And magnesium, peanut butter and jelly. The thing about this magnesium production is that it's not good for our air quality. Nope. Uh, U.S. magnesium itself is responsible, it's estimated, for as much as 25% of northern Utah's pollution problems. One quarter. We can link one quarter of our air quality stressors, which we know air quality problems are unequally and unfairly distributed across our valley, Um, predominantly impacting the West Side, to this one manufacturer. But it's for the good of the nation, Allie. Right. It's also, I mean, like, you just hear just that, and you're like, why are these guys still here? Like, why not get rid of them? Like, if we're always on about solving our air quality problems, why not just kick them out? Well, cash is king. So let's dig into this headline a bit, Allie, because last year, U.S. Magnesium settled... For $430,900 with the Utah yeah. Department of Environmental Quality over dozens of these violations, many of them air quality violations over yeah. the course of Th- many years. At least years. 30. Yeah, at least at 30. At least 30 violations. And board members of the Utah Division of Air Quality said that that 430 k was like a spit in the wind. Like some of them thought U.S. mag should be paying the state millions of dollars. And the real point of this is that it will deter them from bad behavior in the future, right? And so Mm -hmm. they figured 430K, that's not a really good deterrent. Right. 
And in order to get millions of dollars from them instead of a $430,000 settlement, it would have required continuing to pursue this case in court. Yeah, attorneys for the state said it could be too much of a gamble to continue on this litigation in the hopes that they end up with millions in the end. Um, So now reporting by Leah Larson at the Salt Lake Tribune shows that coincidentally, U.S. Mag's holding company paid Governor Spencer Cox $50,000 in campaign donations prior to this settlement and more donations last year to legislative leadership and other lawmakers. So that's what's got everybody cocking an eyebrow here. Like, mm, are these things related? And Governor Cox's office says... You know, they have no control over who chooses to contribute to Cox's campaign. And beyond appointing members, the governor has no authority over the Air Quality Board and its decisions. But, Mm -hmm. Ali, uh, it doesn't look great, even still. (laughs) The timing's bad. The timing's bad. And, I mean, $50,000 is a lot of money. It was one of the largest cash campaign contributions that the governor received in 2023. Like, if you're comparing it, it's large. Um, I do think it's worth saying, you know, Salt Lake Tribune reporter Leah Larson asked um, Utah Division of Air Quality board members, which include, like, you know, doctors and um, Mill Creek Mayor Jeff Silvestrini, like, kind of like representatives from all over the valley in the state. If they felt pressured to settle for this $430,000 sum with um, U.S. Magnesium instead of taking them to court in pursuit of millions of dollars, they said they did not. Like, across the board, it seems like these board members were like, you know, it's not like we got an email from the governor's Mm. office that was like, now, now, friends, like, let's be kind. Let's disagree better on this. (laughs) Let's disagree better. But it is a follow the money story. And, you know, U.S. Magnesium is... To no one's surprise, writing checks to Speaker of the House Mike Schultz just days after he becomes Speaker of the House. I think it's kind of funny they gave him $2,000 because actually, like, that's so little. (laughs) Like, if you're U.S. Magnesium, like, it's kind of BDE to be like, we are one of the top polluters in the state. We are ignoring 30 plus infractions for doing simple things like not running required tests on our smokestacks. Like last year, we had the audacity to ask you to expand our canals so that we could siphon 100,000 gallons a minute from the Great Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. Like we just like have our way with one of the state's greatest natural resources amidst one of its like greatest existential threats. But we're going to give the Speaker of the House $2,000. Like, that's a month's rent in (laughs) City. Like, it's, like, almost funny to think about that that would be, like, a bribe. You know, like, come on, you guys. Like, cough up some real dough if you really want to get in the game. Right. Yeah. And so you have to kind of wonder what is the point here? Because even Governor Cox asked the EPA to put U.S. Mag in the air pollution non-attainment zone so that the state could impose stronger restrictions on, on their production. So it's like, what did they think was going to happen? Like, what were they trying to accomplish here? I don't know, but it doesn't smell good either way. No. And I will say, like, in terms of, like, making the argument that our state is wasting money or time or resources in court or pursuing lawsuits with bad actors, I don't know that I'm, like, that 
sold on that case, given that the state of Utah is happy to waste money and time and resources and staffing time in court pursuing lawsuits about a litany of other things. Mm -hmm. Like, we will sue, we will jump on board, and that's largely due and you know, to the impetus of Attorney General Sean Reyes. But it feels like lately we're just hopping on everyone's lawsuit. Like, oh, Texas wants to sue the federal government over something? Sure, add our name. We'll get on. Like, we're still suing to try and reverse the ruling on Bears Ears, which is like, for what? Like, come on, let's move on. So, like, suddenly when it comes to one of the biggest polluters, we, like, don't want to waste resources? pursuing millions of dollars from them. I could think it's the communities that would happily take millions of dollars in settlement funds that to, I don't know, build a grocery store. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Let's move on. Let's talk about baseball. Man. Mining and baseball, Emily, two of our real areas of expertise. <laughs> I did not know we would be talking about baseball so much on this show, Allie. I was not. Good it, Lord. I didn't go to journalism school for this, okay? But. <laughs> yeah, honestly. All right. So the other big news for Salt Lake, for Salt Lakers especially, is Larry H. Miller Company has revealed its $3.5 billion 
proposal to create the power district on 100 acres next to the Utah State Fair Park. And this is where they'll be building their Major League Baseball stadium and more that we're talking residential. We're talking commercial. We're talking a river walk along the Jordan River. The Larry H. Miller Company is calling it an economic and cultural catalyst for the West Side. Uh, Ali, what did you think of the renderings that we saw? The thing about renderings that I feel like is something I've really come to learn hosting this show and paying close attention to development plans for this city is that they always just look so good. So like good. renderings are the like hyped up catfishy Tinder profile of development. You know what I mean? Like they're just like... They're so sexy. They've got all the angles. These renderings show a Ferris wheel. There are these buildings that are all built out of glass and like reflecting the mountains and the light. Like this ballpark stadium in these renderings appears to be at capacity, which is hilarious. <laughs> Find me a Major League Baseball game that's at capacity in the nation, in the world. <laughs> there's like the Jordan River is like running through and there's a bridge yeah. over it. And, and the Jordan River, by the way, looking not at all murky, looking very, very clean. <laughs> like people are kayaking to go watch an MLB game. Like, And I know that I've, I do feel like I know that I'm always on this show being like, we should re we should a imagine hater? a better future. <laughs> a hater, definitely a hater of sports joy for sure. But like, we should imagine a better future. Like, what if we took the bus from downtown Sugar House up the canyons? Like, what if we, you know, like, so I'm of two minds because when I see these kinds of very inspired plans, there is a piece of me that's like, yes, let let's lay a vision. But that is deeply undermined by the fact that I just from in the core of my being, feel confident saying that the people of this neighborhood were not consulted on this design. Right. We're laying a vision, but whose vision is it? Right. Whose vision is it? And who is going to pay for the vision? Whose life will be dramatically altered by the vision? Like how many people will be served versus how many homes torn down? I mean, like, when we interviewed our head of the redevelopment agency in Salt Lake and the chair of the Salt Lake City Council now are both Westsiders. And when we interviewed them about, you know, the West Side basically and gentrification, one of the things that Victoria Petra said to us is that, you know, often in these community meetings, what they hear from developers is this notion that a project could be transformative mm. for the community. Mm. And she's like, we don't need to be transformed. We're good. We need investment. We would like some resources. We are, for example, um, you know, Glendale and Poplar Grove have both been declared food deserts federally, which means that residents don't have access to fresh, healthy foods readily. Uh, we'd like grocery stores and, and that kind of investment. But like we don't need to be transformed. Mm -hmm. Well, oh, man, Allie. We're going to be talking about this story for years to come. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this quote from Gail Miller really struck me. The West Side is primed for this new development. And she says she grew up on the West Side and the people who live here are very proud of their community and what they've built. But what I'm like, I feel like they're her statement is conflicting, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it, it's mm -hmm. contradictory. The West Side is primed for this new development, which will radically change the neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods. But at the same time, they're very proud of what's already there, right? And 
how do we know that this is what Westsiders want? Well, I will tell you, uh, it's not what the Rose Park Brown Berets want. I was scoping out their Instagram, uh, looking to see if they had commented on this. And they had an Instagram story that said, this shit ain't going up without a fight. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, and I know that the Millers have like convened a, a West Side advisory board of some sort, but are they knocking on doors asking people if they actually want this stadium and if they want, you know, the landlords who they've rented from for decades to sell their houses out from under them, like we often see on the west side in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, this is a huge change that they're proposing. And the legislature is proposing that we pay for it, at least at some level. They're looking at $1 billion in public financing for this MLB stadium. And my God, Allie, that is a lot of money. Like, we were talking with uh, our colleagues in Vegas at CityCast Las Vegas because the Oakland A's are moving in and um, the legislature approved a $380 million public financing package for them. We're talking $1 billion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just like, my mind is blown by this. And, you know, the way the legislature will put up money for a shiny project, but at the same time be like, you know, this is a really tight budget year for us. We're not going to be able to support Governor Cox's $323 million request for housing and homelessness. I'm like, make it make sense. And, you know, I think we should be asking a lot of questions about this public financing proposal. I mean, currently a bill is moving forward in the Utah legislature to cut Medicaid funding. Yeah. Cut health care funding. But at the same time, because cut taxes. we can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. We can't afford it. And yet, we fund education at the lowest per pupil rate, one of the lowest per pupil rates in the United States of America. It's so crazy to me because I'm also just like, you see the way this was rolled out. And it kind of, it, it indicates how like people who have access to this kind of swift yeah. decision making and swift planning are really deeply out of touch <laughs> with like both what day-to-day people want in their community and what kind of backlash they could face for not acknowledging that. Like it's so interesting to compare this proposal to the destruction of Raging Waters, which was the water park that was totally defunct in Glendale for years and years and years that was eventually torn down to make way for the Glendale Regional Park. And like when you compare the kind of here's the word again, transformation that that was to, to, to tear down a defunct water park and turn it into a park. And, and the conversations that were had around that of like, will this new park raise our property taxes? Will it, it make our rent higher? What will it do for cost of living? What will include what, like, will it be safe for our children to walk from our houses to that park? Like all of these questions. And then you look at these renderings and it's just like, (laughs) did you all, are you aliens that just arrived from another planet landed in this city? And we're like, Hmm, this, like it almost just, it's like, this stadium fell out of the sky and landed in the fair park. Oh That's what God. these renderings look yeah. like. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Well, Allie, and that, the other thing about this is I've been I've been in my brain comparing this to Daybreak, you know, which the Millers also mm. own, um, a, a planned community that you know there was nothing there before. What was it like a a trash heap or something in yeah. the south part of the valley, or? The Utah. Well, some people would say it was open space. Yes, yeah, right. Or you know, like the Utah City development in Utah County, right? There was mm-hmm. also open space, right? But this right. is a community. Like there are already people here. There are already people who live here and work here and use this trail. And I know that West Siders would surely love some investments, especially around the Jordan River. But it's like completely rewriting the script in this community and it's yeah yeah, it's just quite remarkable to me (laughs) it's you know what it is it's incredibly incredibly arrogant I do just want to like I think it's important to give a little bit of context for why we are so skeptical of these kinds of sports investments you know a couple of things that were in the Salt Lake Tribune story from Robert Gerke about this $1 billion in public funding um, are also that state leaders are holding a lot of these meetings closed door. Like this healthy skepticism we have is because like there's a lot of conversations that are not being had publicly about the spending of a billion dollars in public funds. Um, and then there is basically a similar package in the works for an NHL arena, for a National Hockey League team. Like that this could be a template we see again for yet another similar sort of investment and the case that's being made is kind of like well look they're going to pay for it with bonds they're going to you know hike up our hotel taxes this isn't necessarily like them drawing directly out of utah's public tax fund but to your point emily like what are we prioritizing funding in creative ways and what are we not i think is the greater argument We did an episode with our colleagues at CityCast Las Vegas, which we'll link in the show notes if you haven't heard, about sort of some of the the healthy suspicion we should have around these major league sports franchises and their billionaire owners. But, you know, Villanova did this study and they looked at the Atlanta Braves, the Sacramento Kings and the Edmonton Oilers, who were three teams um, where cities made, you know, significant public investments to kind of keep them around and make them shinier. And they asked the question, does the amount of public funding invested in these teams, did it net out in economic impact? And the answer across the board was no. From 1969 to 2011, and across like major American sports like districts, they found that there was absolutely no correlation between an area's wages, income, or employment rates and whether or not that area had a sports team. So, like, there is already plenty of data out there that shows that this is not necessarily going to do anything for this community in terms of long-term economic stability. Do, like, be incredibly suspicious and do be incredibly guarded when a billionaire comes to your doorstep asking for money and promising you that it will make your life better. And I think it's also important to ask the question, like, do you become a billionaire by being generous? Damn, Allie. Last thing I wanted to say about this. um, Listen, this could be many years down the road still. We still don't know if and when we'll get an MLB team. But 
We should absolutely be looking at what legislative leaders' interests are in this area. Do they own Mm -hmm. property in this area? You know, Mm -hmm. we've got some incredible investigative reporters here in this town, and um, I hope they're looking into this. All right, uh, let's do some shout outs and get out of here. Let's end on a high note. You want to go first? Sure. (laughs) Mine is actually thematic because I picked up the latest copy of City Weekly while I was waiting in line for a coffee this weekend. And I Mm -hmm. read a story called The Secret Sauce, How Utah Lawmakers Disclose or Don't Disclose Conflicts of Interest. Oh, my God, Emily. And in Utah, lawmakers are required to self-report their professional and financial interests, but not every lawmaker holds themselves fully accountable to the public. So I thought that was a great story, and it's something to keep in mind as we continue to go down this path, um, you know, and finish out the legislative session as well. Um, So I will link the story in the show description for you, and uh, yeah, give it a read. Okay. What's your shout out, Allie? All right, my shout out is to the Egyptian Theater in Park City, which is about to host Date TBD, the U.S. premiere of Gwyneth Goes Skiing, which is... No way, Allie. I totally called this. I just want to point this out. I called... You really did. I predicted that this would happen. You really did. So for those of you who don't remember... I'm sorry. And for those of you who do, this is for us. Remember when Gwyneth Paltrow was sued by an optometrist named Terry Sanderson, who she like crashed, allegedly crashed into on a ski skiing in Deer Valley, right? And or he crashed into her. All I really remember about this was Gwyneth Paltrow famously, A, wearing incredible outfits to this court case, B, taking this man to court instead of just paying him the money he asked for. C, complaining that because of their ski accident, she, quote, lost a half a day of skiing. And D, whispered basically into his ear after she won the case, walking out of the courtroom. What was it? I I wish you well. well. Absolutely iconic, as they say. Yeah. And so iconic that some very clever people decided to turn this entire trial into a musical And it premiered in London, and Deseret News uh, columnist Meg Walter went to London to watch it and write about it. And yeah, it's going to have a U.S. premiere, and it's going to be right here in Park City, which is exactly where it should be. I did already try and get tickets. They haven't even announced a premiere date yet, let alone put tickets on sale. But it's happening. And we'll be there. We will be there. Okay. Executive producer Emily Means, let's get out of here. I hope you have a great day. Have a great day, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. 